Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the second hour of what is going to be a very busy edition of Oilers Now. Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott with you. Oilers Now brought to you by World of Spas. Alberta's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation. Guests on our show receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki steak restaurant. Book your celebration for the census today at jvedmonton.ca. As we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, the River Cree Resort Casino Excitement. Bet on it open 24-7-365. Our Oilers Now Headliner today is for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. And we welcome back to the show Edmonton Oilers Assistant General Manager Brad Holland, who has just returned from the organization's uh, pro scouting meetings. Hello, Brad. How are you doing? Not too bad, Bob. How about yourself? Not bad. Let me ask you this. Total curveball to start with. We just had Frank Cervalli on. Um, he's one of the most plugged-in guys in the business from Daily Faceoff. Do you, would you guys look at uh, you know a trade board that uh, Daily Faceoff puts out, or uh, would you read through Elliot's 32 thoughts when he does the written version? Uh, is that something that uh, you know people that work in the actual business in management uh, would take a look at? Well, I can't speak for anybody else, but I know that for myself, at least, these are these are must read. I mean, it's like the old trade journals, right? These people are in the business, as, as you, you correctly mentioned. Frank knows everybody. Um, he's talking to people. He's getting a sense of the market. Um, sometimes you can read between the lines of what they say. Sometimes they tell you exactly what they're hearing. Um, but it's always interesting. It, 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 it's coming from people that do the work, so you do have to pay attention. So my expectation not to, you know, we have obviously Frank and Elliot on the show on Tuesday and Friday. It's my belief that the level that these guys are playing at, even though they'll never say who they directly talk to, is basically senior management, you know, <laughs> which which is a fairly legitimate level. You know what I mean, Brad? <laughs> Absolutely. No, they they've these guys have been around a long time. They they know how to build relationships. Um, you know, it, it, it is it's a small industry, it's a small group of people that, that that do these jobs. So, you know, they're not out to burn people. Generally, that I've found, they're not out to burn people. They're out to gather information. They're out to serve their own marketplaces. Each each guy is kind of a different focus. Um, but you know, with the relationships they've they've built over the years, they're able to get information that we can't get. So you can kind of read it in their stuff. And like I said, I, I'm always looking. I, like I'll take a good idea from any any source. All right, let me ask you this: You just had the pro scouting meetings. Um, for if you can educate our listeners, what is the primary function of the pro scouting meetings? Well. 
That's actually that's a very good question. Um, they, they shift from year to year, I think. This year, our focus is on some very specific roster positions. It is about getting everyone into the same room. It's, a, it's about kind of dumping out the notebook from the course of the year. It's about getting your lists finalized. It's about... You know, some of it gets into, you know, this is silly, silly season. So that some of it gets into silly talk. And you say, well, well what, what would we do if? And what would we do if this? And what would we do if that? And one of the things that we did, you know, last year was what if a really good defenseman becomes available? What, what are we willing to, 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 to pay to acquire something that valuable? And then Alcone becomes available. So those, you know, quote, unquote, silly conversations can bear fruit. So you're really getting together. You're, you're, you're trying to trade ideas. You're hearing what you want um, from people in the business, from your contacts. And, I mean, you lived COVID. We've all lived it. There's some real quality in getting together, looking people in the face, getting together as a group. Um, and even when we go to dinner, we talk about it. That's, that's all we talk about for three or four days. So some really good ideas will come out of it. But it's really about, like I said, emptying the notebook, bringing everyone together, and passing that information along to Ken because – in the end, he's making the decisions. All right. Uh, how has the evolution of the game to more data-driven information and video-driven scouting, in your opinion, maybe changed how these meetings have evolved? Another very good question. And you know what? It, it's evolved for us over time. Um, we, we've, always, we've always been looking at the statistics, at the video. We've always tried to marry that up with your in-person viewings. But over the course of the last couple of years, we've really come to an ebb and a flow of the season and where, you know, maybe the meetings were looked at as kind of, you know, the last chance to, 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 to give your information, to, you know, to educate the rest of the room on what you've seen, what you've learned. It now is kind of, for us at least, an opportunity to go back and check our work one last time. I mean, you get two weeks before the um, free agency opens, um, you might hear something from someone in the room and then you can go back. And then the beauty part about this is, is now you can go back um, and you can look at the data. You can look at the numbers. You can, you can double check your work. Um, we have a, a couple scouts on our staff. They love sending me clips. They, they sent me some yesterday up to it, including like 11 o'clock at night. They were working, they were looking through stuff. They were trying to, you know, hone in on some of the tougher decisions that we have to make. So, you know, our, our in-person viewings, I think, always give you the best information, but the way that, um, you know, technology has evolved, we now have the ability to go back and, and look at, you know, playoff games, at, um, you know, playoff clinching games, at, you know, when we watch video, we try and watch, you know, interdivisional games, um, games that were settled within one goal, that had lots of penalty minutes. You're trying to recreate, you know, the toughest atmosphere you can, and, and the beauty part about doing it on video is you know what happened. You know what the score was. You know, you know what happened in the game. Now you can go and look back and see, okay, how did this person respond to a very difficult situation? So from, from the meetings until free agency, this arguably could be the most busy time of our year because you're trying to sort through rumors. You're trying to dig through all yep. of the information you've come up with. And, you know, numbers are important, but, you know, Bob, I'm a child of the 90s. Homer Simpson even knew, you know, you can use statistics to prove anything. So we have to dig through and find the signals and the noise. you got to look at the video. you got to find out things maybe that you might have missed because in the end now our, our job is to put the finishing touches on a Stanley Cup winning roster. And that 
you know, might not be the most fun. You're not having a lot of money to spend. But these players that we're adding, these are the glue guys that can that can be the difference. I'm a child of the 80s, which is why when Super 70 Sports represents, uh, references Phoebe Cates uh, from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I get it. <laughs> Before my time. <laughs> yeah, well, trust me, yes. Not by much. <laughs> Not by much. Uh, when you were, we're joined right now by Brad Holland. He is the Assistant General Manager, Director of Pro Scouting for the Edmonton Oilers. When you were evaluating players, either for free agency or for trade, how much of a factor uh, has the sal- salary cap completely changed the complexion of how business is done? Well, you know, it, it, it's funny you said that. We had a discussion about um, statistics and analytics specifically vis-a-vis, you know, within the context of the salary cap and an AAE. I think that things drastically change as you move up and down um, the salary structure. You expect more out of a player. Um, You expect more out of that roster position. Like, it's not just AAV. You know, I I talk to to our coach quite a bit, um, especially around now. And, you know, there are minutes available on our team, premium minutes. Who's going to be taking those minutes? What cost? Do we have to replace someone maybe that's moving on or someone that's, you know, earned himself a bigger contract? So absolutely, it's, it's all contextual. It, it, is, it is what does that person bring for the roster space that we've given them, you know, under the, you know, the, the rubric of the, of the AAV and the salary cap that, 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 he's, that he's commanded. So it, it is, it's, it's difficult and it's, I think, more fun because of it. Um, because you've given, you're given the constraints of a salary cap and term and contracts, and now it's up to you to go and manage and try and get the most out of it. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting because uh, I've been in a pool, Brad, since 1988. <laughs> there was only one kid that was never, one player not allowed in that pool, and uh, you worked with him when you worked for the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. And that's because, uh, and we've been dealing with a hard cap since 88. I remember there were, uh, I had an advertiser. You're ahead of the times. Yes, I, and I had an advertiser for a number of years, and he used to say, this dude is really smart. He's smarter than you about hockey. Well, that guy came in or a pool and he hasn't had a sniff since he's come into the pool because he's had to learn the hard way about what the cap actually means for player valuation. So it's an interesting thing. I won't tell you who won the pool two of the last four years. You might be talking to him on the air. All right. <laughs> I might be able to get. Yes, otherwise known as the worst uh, two seasons in the pool's history for many of the other owners in that pool. Brad, let me ask you this. Um, and where I'm going to go is, if you can't beat them, join them. Is, are there exercises where you look at competitors' models? Uh, Vegas is a team that's drafted all but or traded away all but one first-round draft choice since they've came in the league. Don't forget they had three their first year. Uh, but Vegas has not placed a tremendous value in draft picks. Um, and they are in on every big player, and they're not afraid to cut loose. Like, we have people still upset about the Athanasiu trades here or the Reinhardt trade. Brad, the Vegas Golden Knights gave your father a first, a second, and a third for Thomas Tatar. They then traded Tatar and Nick Suzuki, Montreal's now first-line center, for Max Pacioretty, and then they gave Pacioretty away for free. But they won the cup, so it was worth it. And so where I'm going with this is, how do you guys look at the other models that other organizations deploy? Because uh, you're always looking for best of practices from successful organizations. Absolutely. And you know what, and, and not even to stop there, we look at what is successful and what trends are happening in our league 
But what's happening in other leagues? Um, I'm interested, you know, there's a new ownership group for the Phoenix Suns and the NBA who are making some noise. The Tampa Bay Rays, to me, are extremely interesting. They're the new Oakland A's. They seem to be able to replace players without a problem. You know, they come in, they step in, they produce, um, they cut more expensive players, and then they just, you know, turn over their roster every year. So, Absolutely. I mean, I think R&D, right? Rip off and duplicate. You're looking at what is succeeding elsewhere. Why is it succeeding? And then to also not uh, overreact, I guess, to the trends. Look at Florida. You can see, you know, in the last two years, which of their years was far more successful. And they spent far more at the deadline to try and improve their club than they did this year. This year, they barely made it into the playoffs. I think they had a point less than Calgary, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and they didn't really push all in. In fact, they were considering selling, I think. They make it to the finals. So you can't, you know, you can't overreact to what other teams are doing. You really have to look at your own roster. You have to know where you sit, what you have, what you don't have, uh, maybe small areas of improve, improvement on the margins. Which is why I spend you know so much time talking to Woody, talking to our people internally. Nobody watches our team as closely as we do. I mean, it's one thing, you know, scouts are always watching games, but you when, when you watch your team, your your eyes really drawn to your own players. So we know our players really, really well. We have to do what we can to you know support the players that we have to find the best you know line combinations or personality combinations we can to get the most out of the people we do have. But then to look and critically see your roster and say, you know, we're we're deficient in X, Y, and Z, and we can bring in players to to address those deficiencies. So, I mean, you're looking at what other people are doing, but at the same time, everybody's different. Everyone has you know different out money allocated to different players, roster positions, different you know kids pushing up the roster. So you you, you look at what other people are doing, but your focus is generally on your own roster. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We're joined by Oilers Assistant General Manager Brad Holland. He's our Oilers now headliner today for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. Brad, I had uh, friends of mine purchase a Western League franchise, and when they got that team, th- there was no uh, data that was hard copied, that was in the system on uh, drafted players over the last couple of years. And as you know, the WHL draft is for 14-year-olds. So that's concerning when you're taking over a team. It was all handwritten notes. So on that note, is there a sort of universal, standardized uh, scouting report that you guys can get access to immediately that you would have multiple reports. I've heard, I've heard that Kyle Dubas has an example. Somebody told me uh, that when he was in Toronto, he'd filed out 800 reports in a calendar year. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but is there a standardized 
uh, there must be a couple different variations out there that or NHL organizations can uh, use. Well, you know what? We have a good partner in RinkNet. Um, they are really willing to change the system based on our you know, determinations of what's important, of how we want it to look, what information we want people filling out. Um, before the season last year, we sat down and we said, okay, what is the real value of being in the, in the building? What can we see in the building that, that you can't see on video, that you can't learn from the numbers? And we wanted to, to bring that out and to put that into a format that we could use. So there are a couple different things about when you fill out your report on a player, there are a couple drop-downs that you're just, okay, check, 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 check. This is what he did tonight. This is what he was. This is how he competed, whatever it is. Um, there are some standardized things, but then there's, you know, the comment section where you might be looking at something specific. Um, one thing that he's been doing, and you might watch four or five games to get to that opinion. For example, Brett Kulak, something that we noticed with him, he was very good at attacking at the lines. This is something that our coach had been had been talking about at the time, so we thought, you know, this guy could be a good fit. And then you go and you, you specifically look at those things. You might write a report just on that one set of skills. Um, another time you might be looking at, you know, how did he react to X, Y, and Z? You know, he moved up the lineup. What's he doing in this new roster position? So there are a lot of variations on a theme. Um, I know that we have some people that do have a template that they will fill in, and at the bottom kind of give themselves free reign to say, okay, these are the three most important things that I've seen from this player in the evolution of the season that I've seen. Um, this is where I think he is. This is where I think he could help us. I think... That's really the, you know, the art of it is determining, you know, under the context, as we talked about the salary cap, how do we bring this person in? Um, I say this a lot. Uh, a friend of mine used to say, you know, it's very hard to find players. I think that it's, it's you, you can watch the games and find the players, but bringing them in can be very difficult for whatever reason. Um, they don't want to play in a certain time zone or they want – Whatever. There's, there's, bare, there's a lot of blockades to bringing in a player. So we have to, as scouts, understand the limitations we may have and the reasons why we might not be able to bring in a player that we love. So, I mean, kind of a convoluted way to, to answer the question, but I think for the most part, you're going in and you're trying to add something to the conversation in our system on the player to continually go in and say, you know, he had a good game tonight, he was this, this, and this great but what is that how does that fill in you know pick the picture of the player as we know them sitting here today what do we know about them from the past what can we expect going forward and i think that that's the real art of it and and, and the individuality that a, a scout can bring well you know it's funny you mention that because i know um uh, there might be some people out there in the hockey world that would say those of us that forget the past are forever condemned to repeat it. So when it comes yeah. to amateur scouting, you need to fish where you've had successful uh, fishing. Uh, and, and when I look at the Oilers organization, historically speaking, WHL, OHL, uh, Finland and Sweden have garnered Edmonton the best results. I might be inclined to think we have the greatest success returning, uh, retaining players from there. And I look at maybe what Calgary's had to do the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Hannafin's out there this year. Last year it was Kachuk and Goodrow. Well, there's there's a theme with those three players, Adam Fox in the past. So keep that in mind. Brad, just, just for austerity's sake, because we are uh, getting asked about this, um, I'm going to paraphrase because we got about four or five texts here on the size of the Oilers uh, scouting staff. Uh, specific to pro, how many people do you have contributing and helping you out? How many people, as an example, would have been at the meetings? 
Um, it varied day to day. We had some people come in. We had some people Zoom call in, um, kind of celebrity voices to give us maybe a different opinion on something. Um, I can't believe yeah. you didn't call. <laughs> of course we would. You were just too busy. Um, but no, we, we had, you know, 12 to 15 people. Um, we had, you know, each of the networks that those people have access to are, are brought to the table. You know, I've heard this, this, this person's telling me this. Um, but you know what? It, it, it is a very, it's an interesting give and take. You know, I can see benefits to both. I, I saw, you know, you know, when I was in Toronto, um, there were a lot of people in, in a lot of different places where we have, you know, maybe one or two um, here in Edmonton. I'm, I'm not sure which is better. I think you can come to a consensus better with, small, with, with a smaller staff. I think that you're more mobile. Um, you're more nimble with a smaller staff. You can make decisions quicker. You don't have to worry about, you know, internal infighting. Our group is very good in that I believe we have a lot of different skill sets that we can bring to the table. I mean, on my staff alone, we have a former um, junior owner. We have someone who worked in the coaching staff. We have a former coach, former NHL player. Um, we've got, you know, a, diff- a different blend of skill sets um, than maybe would have been, you know, in the past. And, and those people contribute in different ways. So I don't think the number of the staff matters so much as the quality of the people, the quality of the information. And then we sat down as a group, our pro staff, our management teams, we, we talked about, you know, what are we trying to do here? How do we do it better than everybody else? Under with the staff we have and the people we have, what, what, what can we do better than other people? We really tried to refine our process um, to maximize the output and what we're doing. And, you know, sometimes it's a matter of, of narrowing your focus, understanding who you're looking at, who's a possibility, um, how to make the team better can be, you know, the argument between one or two players. Or it can be, you know, a larger thing where, you know, you're casting a wide net and you, and you slowly kind of let people who are in charge of a larger area dredge up, you know, good names, from you know from a larger pool so i don't know it, it's it's interesting i think our staff as as we've worked over the course of the five years that i've been here four and a half years um that ken's been here we've really you know we've, we've gone to a good rhythm with our group where people like to pitch in there are a lot of different voices there are a lot of people double checking to make sure you know the, the scouts are seeing what they're seeing the management understands what's going on on the ground so um, I think that we, as a group, have really evolved and gotten better um, over the course of the years. And I, I mentioned the Phoenix Suns a little while ago. They, I think, have between 15 to 18 people only um, in their meetings. And it's just a small group of people that are making these decisions. Yep. Um, it's different for everybody. But yep. in the end, I think, I think it's how you work and the processes that you have that made the most. All right. Final question. And only hoping for about a 30-second response from me here. I think this is the most important offseason and one that you guys are going to have to work relentlessly at. It's not just on the players in terms of the team success carrying forward here. Uh, do, you, do you, I mean, and to the point that are you guys more involved now perhaps than ever uh, in, in the American League as well? So just a quick one, just on the, op- given the limited cap space and, and the where you're at with McDavid and Settles contracts, um, my expectation is you guys work relentlessly here, and that might take you further into the summer than the past. Am I completely out to lunch, or am I warm? What do you think? No, I think I think you're, you're you've nailed it. I think that 
we are, and this is exciting to me. This is the most exciting offseason I've had because we're looking at players that we think can finish off. You know, this is the finishing touches of a roster that we think will be a cup contender this year. I mean, we have a full season of Ekholm, full season of Kane. Um, everybody, you know, chips in. I think we're going to have an exciting season. So one thing that really stood out to me after Mark Stone won the cup, um, he's giving an interview on the ice and he says, you know, this is about the 30 or 31 players that played for this team this year. This is a reflection of all of their work. It was like a lightning bolt hit me at that moment. I thought, you know what? That is true. Whether you're the fourth right winger, the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, it doesn't matter. You're going to maybe come up for 10 games, five games, but if you can help us go four and one, you're helping us get to the point we need to get to. So we've looked at this offseason very differently, I think, than most. We're looking at this thing as every single player is a small piece to a bigger puzzle, whether it's their AHL minutes, their NHL minutes, all of these things, their personalities, you know, where they've come at in their careers, all these things can mix together. We can build a Swiss Army like knife low to support our guys that we've, that we've committed to, that have committed to us, and hopefully that's going to, you know, end in a Stanley Cup. Brad, we went along with this. We appreciate you giving us the time you did. Thank you for joining us on Oilers Now. Always a pleasure, Bob. Talk soon. You bet. It is 128. Uh, we're going to blow off straight to the break. Uh, Global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. When we come back from daily face-off on the upcoming NHL draft, Stephen Ellis, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. This is Oilers Now.